What's up, y'all? We are back with another episode of the Ape Academy podcast, the best educational podcast out on any platform, guys. Thank you for joining us. Today's episode, we are discussing the mysterious, the often glamorized, and the often misunderstood Aztec Empire. The Warriors of the Aztec Empire, the Jaguar and the Eagle. Enjoy. All right, we are back. Thank you for joining us at the Ape Academy podcast. I'm your host with the most, Chase H. I'm the founder of Ape Defensive Solutions and the creator, chief researcher, chief backer of the Ape Academy, APE Academy, Act Protect Engage Academy podcast. Thank you. We are back. It's been a little bit of a break. We went hard recently with our God's Warrior podcast series. We did, I think, I don't know, three or four episodes in a row. You know, back to back to back to back. So today we're going to do a ship focus. Or we're going to do a whole group of podcast episodes about the Native American warrior. Okay, so mon- uh, Monday, <laughs> November. <laughs> November is Native American History Month. Okay, and in celebration of our Native American brothers and sisters and the real, original, true Americans, okay? I don't care what anyone tells me. I don't care what anyone says. Native Americans are the original Americans. We will be going over, celebrating, discussing their history, their rich, their proud warrior traditions, okay, and how their legacy lives on and how their history is also our history. All right. And that's going to be for North and South America, Mesoamerica. Okay. Before the Europeans got here and after we're going to be discussing both. Okay. So it's going to be a great next few podcasts. Um, although it will probably, you know, the month is, is, is almost over now. I mean, we're halfway through. Since it took me a little bit longer to research this episode, I wanted to make sure I was thorough. We didn't start until midway through the month. Plus, we were finishing up the uh, Knights Templar series. But we're going to keep going. We're going to do a few tribes, right? We're going to do the Aztecs. We're going to do the Comanches. We're going to do the Apache. We're going to do a few. Okay, so, you know, strap in. Hold on to your hats. All right, we're going to be moving at a breakneck pace for the rest of November. We have two sponsors today, as usual. Bravo Concealment Holsters. Go to at Bravo Concealment on Instagram. Bravo Concealment Holsters. Uh, Google them. They are a great company. Great products. The best inside the waistband and outside the waistband holsters on the freaking market. Okay. Um, They also have tactical belts, tactical magazine pouches, all that cool guy, high-speed gear. For all you gear nuts out there, check them out, man. Also, the USCCA, United States Concealed Carry Association. I always say organization, but it's association. They are the new kids on the block. 
the number one concealed carry gun rights advocacy group in America. The NRA is old news. Sign up with them. They're the new kids on the block, y'all. Check them out. All right, so that's that. That's the housekeeping. Okay, so this is what I want to say, right? Off the bat. All right. The Aztec language is very, very complex. Okay. Very complex. Nawak, Nawak. That is the language the Aztec spoke. And their pronunciations are very difficult. So, for all you perfectionists out there, all you scholarly guys and gals, please forgive me if I stumble, bumble, and fumble on some of their um, their titles, their names, um, because it's very, very difficult for a peanut butter mouth like me to pronounce it from the Northeast. So just uh, give me some grace, guys. I appreciate your understanding in advance. Okay, so what are we talking about? Well, <laughs> if you've been paying attention, the last two weeks I've been flooding the market, flooding my posts, my, my social media posts with Aztec imagery, okay? Aztecs. They are probably the most talked about, you know, South, well, not South American. Well, I say they're in North America. But uh, non, you know, Native American tribe, Right, they're probably the most talked about. Okay, so, um, they are based out of Mexico. Okay, and there's a lot of hist history, a lot of mystery, a lot of romant uh, romanticism around the Aztecs. They're actually kind of mysterious, um, just like the Mayans. Okay, the Mayans and Aztecs are very, very mysterious people. I don't think there's a whole lot that we know about them still, even to this day. Um, but the information we do know about them is absolutely freaking fascinating, okay? Like, I did the most research for this podcast that I've done on any other podcast previously because um, I knew very little about them before. I mean, I knew the basics. I knew some of the basic stuff. But I really, oh, my God. I'm telling you, Mexican culture is amazing. For all my Hispanic brothers and sisters, all my Mexican Amigos and amigas out there, you your guys' history and your bloodline is freaking outstanding. It's so interesting, so complex. I never knew there are so many different tribes and uh, no, you know nomadic tribes and cultures and dialects and and, and just all blended together. It's, it's amazing. I mean, I can go on and on forever. Um, and, and you know if <laughs> I can make ten podcasts about the Aztecs. And even if I go back to their roots, like how they came about tracing their blood lineage to what we know of today as Aztecs, that will take 10 podcasts just to do that, okay? Um, so if you guys want to learn more about the Aztecs, man, there's a great book. Um, I don't know how many of you guys are nerds like me, but it's called The Aztec Empire, an enthralling overview of the history of the Aztecs, starting with the settlement in the Valley of Mexico. And that is on Amazon. It's by Enthralling History, okay? So they're a group, and they do all type of, like, kind of, like, overviews of different, uh, of uh, various cultural groups and and amazing civilizations. Uh, I think you need Aztec, like, Unlimited. 
to read it or as the Kindle Unlimited. Kindle Unlimited to, to uh, access it, but it's worth it. I'm about halfway through. Um, so it's freaking awesome. Um, so where are we going to start? All right. So our story starts in the Central Valley of Mexico. Today's episode is entitled The Eagle and the Jaguar inside the legendary warrior classes of the Aztec Empire, the ancient warrior orders, the ancient warrior fraternal organizations. Sorry, I couldn't get that out there. Um, we got a bunch of sources, all right? Like I said, this has been the most, the most, the most researched uh, podcast so far. Um, you know, we got historyofyesterday.com, the real the realm of history.com history.com uh the you know the the aztec empire book i just discussed there's a lot of sources that i use okay i'm not gonna go into all into all of them because we'll be here forever but those were the main ones all right so in order to do a historical podcast and educational podcast like we've been doing you have to do your research all right there's a lot of what i call pseudo intellectuals out there internet intellectuals that comment on my stuff, like, oh, brother, you don't know the real history of that. I'm like, what are you, where are your sources? What are you basing this on? Let me see your uh, academic sources. Let me see your freaking, <laughs> your, your uh, works cited page. These, I'm a historian, okay? Um, I've loved history my entire life. I studied it in one of the best universities in the freaking world. I want to get my master's in it. Um, I don't have time right now because of ape, but I will soon. And I enjoy doing this research. So if you guys have any questions, concerns, message me, man. Don't forget, uh, rate, review, and subscribe. Um, click the, that uh, follow button, and you will get updates and notifications about new episodes, okay? So this is going to be a longer episode, guys, so uh, stick with me. I'll try not to ramble and rant too much. But my goal, my purpose is to bring the Aztecs to life, is to bring all of my subjects to life, whether it be the Knights Templar, the Aztecs, the Vikings, the gladiators, bring them all to life so that you feel like you're there with them, you're living with them. You're literally waking up as an Aztec. So I want you guys to sit back and relax and just enjoy, listen to my uh, freaking monotone voice for the next hour. <laughs> Try not to fall asleep, just in case. Get your pillows out, all right? Get your pillows. Um, do not put some of that like hypnotic music on because you would definitely fall asleep. All right. Okay. So, the origins of the Aztecs. All right. So we're talking around 850 years ago is when we kind of scholars kind of can trace the very first mentioning of the Aztecs. Now the Aztecs weren't just a single tribe. There were various tribes. There were a few of them, okay? They were part of a, um, a cultural a group called the Mexica, okay? M-E-X-I-C-A, which is a, a cultural blend of a few different tribes, nomadic tribes, okay? So around 850 years ago, okay, long, long, long time ago, a nomadic people wandered into the highlands, into the plateau of the Valley of Mexico, okay? These newcomers, so, you know, 
first of all, it's, it's important to remember that they were tribes already settled in the area. So they were nomadic, meaning nomads are people who move around a lot. They don't really have a single place that they call their home, right? They move uh, depending on the seasons, depending on, on, on the hunting grounds. Maybe um, there are different animals available to hunt in different seasons, so they'll move and follow you know, the, the movement of their herds. There's a lot of different reasons. Weather, okay, maybe their environment is no longer um, hospitable for human life. You never know. They bounce around a lot, okay? <laughs> and uh, so they're nomads, okay? And uh, they call themselves the Aztec, right? And they, they, they claimed everywhere they went, so they moved from the northern Mexico, some say across the border from Arizona and Southern California, into the Valley of Mexico. And they called themselves the Aztec after their mysterious homeland of Atlan. Okay, and to them, right, in their culture, in their mindset, in their mythology, right, they define themselves as fierce warriors, nomadic warriors, and, and they felt like they were destined for greatness. They were de or destined to be conquerors. They were destined to be feared, and they were destined to subjugate the people around them. They wanted to be empire builders. They just knew that that was their destiny, right? They, they just knew it in their heart. And it took them a long time to get here. And, and remember when I, when I told you guys, I was like, I can talk about the history of the Aztecs leading up to how they got so big. I can do 10 podcasts just about that. I was reading some of it last night before bed. And I'm telling you, man, these, Az, these the Aztecs that we know of today is amazing that they got that far. Like, the things they had to go through, um, they had to basically be the mercenaries for other bigger tribes. So they had, to, they were one of the smallest groups of people in the Mexican Valley, in the, in the, in the Valley of Mexico, right? So when they first came into the Valley of Mexico, they were like, man, we don't have a home, right? Like we don't have anywhere that we can settle and all the territory that's that's out there is already settled by people. So basically what we have to do, is we have to find someone who's going to allow us to set up camp, right? To set up our settlements because we're, we've been wandering around for many years. Our, our mysterious homeland of, of Atslan is no longer available for us to live in. And scholars don't know why they moved from their, home, from their homeland. Some people say maybe a famine, maybe a, a, a disaster, natural disaster, maybe war forced them out no one really knows um but it's said that their their chief god came in the form of a hummingbird to their tribal leaders and said you know follow me i am going to establish you in a new home so that's what they did and they went on faith okay their concepts of uh peace and maintaining the status quo they weren't into that, okay? Um, they really wanted, they were movers and shakers, okay? They really, really wanted to establish themselves, all right? And they knew that they couldn't just sit there and accept kind of like their lot in life, okay? That couldn't happen. Um, mainly because 
they had a destiny. So yes, maybe temporarily, right? They're going to be um, working for another tribe, a bigger tribe. They hired themselves out as mercenaries. They believe that um, they hired themselves out as carpenters. The skills they had acquired from being nomads, they kind of hired themselves out and lived under other tribes until they can build up strength. And what happened was as they proved themselves more and more and more in battle and through their various exploits and their various victories, helping out the bigger, badder um, tribes with, the, with their kings, their kings began to grant them a little bit more freedom. Like, okay, yeah, you guys can settle here. Um, since you guys helped us out in this military campaign, we'll let you conquer this small town next to you. Um, and since you guys did so well and you're, you're sending your tribute back to us, we'll let you conquer these guys as well. So what happened was they slowly began to kind of build themselves up, right, from, from their bootstraps. They didn't start off that way. Um, they, they, they started off as kind of like outcasts, right? Um, so they really considered their history to be an extended military campaign of making war on promises, promises, cities, and then subjugating them. So that was their goal. They had that in their mind the entire time. They did what they had to do, right, in, in, in order to get what they wanted. And they took a lot of L's. I mean, they, they were defeated many, many times. They were scattered a few times, and they had to kind of regroup and, and um, come up with a different strategy. Okay. Um, so the Mexica Aztec, that's what they call Remember I said that? The Mexica Aztec, they claim to be following the teachings of their chief god. Now, these names are hard. What's... Leila Pokle, okay? That's the chief god. Okay? He is uh, named the enemy of tranquility and the friend of contention. He, that's the one that came in the form of a hummingbird. And you might think, like, well, this mighty god came in the form of a hummingbird? That's kind of weird. Like, wouldn't you think he would come in the, in the form of, like, a jaguar or, like, something really, really fierce? Nope. Um, and they're in the Mexican or the uh, Mexica culture. A lot of warriors came back as hummingbirds for some reason. <laughs> so, uh, Huitz Leila Poche, <laughs> I, I screwed that up. He, uh, he led them there, okay? He led them to their destiny. Um, and actually, it's funny. Uh, there's a lot of words in the... Uh, Nawak language that we use today that I didn't know about, right? So linguistically, their language uh, is traced all the way back to the lands north of Mexico City. Nawak has given us words in English like coyote, tomato, chocolate, avocado, and chili. I had no idea that that was Nawak. I had no clue that that all those words could be traced back to the Aztec's language. And actually, it's still spoken in, in a lot of places in Mexico. There's actually a t ton of different dialects and languages in Mexico. I didn't know that either. Now, I knew, like, not everyone, not, there's only, you know, I knew there was more than one 
way to speak Spanish, obviously, right? Just like there's different accents and dialects of English. Um, but man, just the the cultural uh, richness, like the linguistic richness of the Mexican um, native languages is insane. It's amazing. So Nawak is from the Uto at, at uh, is from the uh, Uto language family. I'm sorry about that. The Uto language family and extend from Mexico to the southwestern United States. Okay. So actually it's from a language family that's pretty uh, wide ranging. All right. So that's that's led some scholars to speculate that perhaps the Aztecs maybe they were originally from north of the border. Since their language, Nawak, kinda you know, you can trace it, it leaves a trail all the way up from the north of Mexico City, all the way into Arizona, like I said before, and in Southern California. Well, maybe scholars think maybe the Aztecs started off there, were expelled from their home for some reason, their mysterious homeland, and then kind of wandered over, because it took them about 200 years, uh, which I didn't say before. Remember when I said the history, you can, do, you, can full, you can feel volumes and volumes and multiple podcasts with their just their background? It took them around 200 years to get to the Valley of, of uh, Mexico. So there's a lot that goes into that as well. So they arrived in the Central Valley around, you know, the beginning of the 13th century. All right. According to their own history, the Mexica left their home of Atlan around 1168, and they wandered almost two centuries before reaching the island on the swampy lake where they built their capital city. Okay, so uh, let me tell you a quick story. So there's a story that... Um, there was a is a very very turbulent time um, in the Mexico's history, and they had just lost a major battle, and they were scattered, and they were on the edges of this marsh. All right, there's a lake in the middle of the valley of the Mexico. It's a huge lake, and there's a lot of there were a lot of Mexican city states, smaller tribes that were settled all around this lake, and they happened to find this one section. And they didn't know what to do. They were scattered among the weeds and, and, and the swampy land, and they got together, and their God came to them again in the form, like I said, of a hummingbird. He said he came to their tribal elder their, and their uh, shamans. <coughs> Excuse me. And he said, I will lead you where you need to go. If you go out into the marsh, you will see. If you keep going, there's going to be a, a eagle perched on a cactus eating a snake. All right. And when you see that, you build your, your capital city, Tedos Teachland, right there. That's where you start building. And, you know, the Mexico at that point, they had trusted their gods this entire time. Why not trust them now? So that's what they decided to do. They decided to trust in their, uh, their prophecy. They wandered into the swamp, right? They saw that cat. <laughs> They saw that, that eagle perched uh, on that cactus. And guess, and guess what that image is displayed on today? You'll never guess. The national flag of Mexico. If you look at it, it's a cactus with an eagle perched on top with the snake in his talons. And the, and the eagle's eating the snake. And I just thought that was so cool. Like, I just thought <laughs> that was the coolest story. Like, 
and it's all kind of comes together in the, the the history behind the Mexican flag also you know it's awesome all right so their capital Tato's Teachland it was a massive and magnificent city it was built in the middle of a lake like I just said in the middle and uh, actually a really interesting point a lot of ancient cities in mexico in that in that area in the, in the central valley were built in marshy like in marshy land like on little islands in lakes and i think there's a multiple reason for that one i think that first of all that area was super marshy to begin with so it's kind of like you got to work with what you got second it's like okay well the water provides so many nourishing qualities, right? You got you got fish, tons of fish. You got waterfowl, you know, birds, plenty of birds. You know, where, where fish, birds come. Where birds, other predators come. So you got plenty of food. You got plenty of water, nourishment. You have avenues where you can escape. You can come, you can go. You can launch military campaigns from the water. Once you learn how to fish, once you learn how to build aqueducts, for a farming because what they did they would have floating gardens right they would actually build gardens on the water which is super dope right um so they were masters of, of of engineering as far as making canals making aqueducts um gardening they were great fishermen they were great boatsmen okay they're also great warriors, and that's what this podcast is about. It's about the warrior fraternal orders of the Aztecs. Okay, so that's what we're going to discuss in a second. But obviously, right, you got to set the freaking stage, man. You can't just hop into it. That's no fun. Uh, so let's get into it, man. The Aztec warrior culture. In 1428, under their leader, Incona, the Aztec formed a three-way alliance with the Texcocans and the Tacubans to defeat their most powerful rivals, the Tepanec, the Tepanec. The Tepanec were the regional power, okay, of the area when the Aztecs first came into the area, okay? Um, they were like kind of like the regional tough guys, the, the big dog on the block. And it took the Aztecs a while um, to kind of build up the military strength and the first they needed their own capital right so they built Tenos Tichlan then they needed and remember this is after hundreds of years I mean of, of working uh, kind of a, a subservient role under bigger tribes finally they built their capital finally they got a little bit of momentum right they got they started building up their their loot right their treasury their military was starting to get real good because of all their mercenary campaigns. And uh, now they're like, all right, like we're like, a, we're, we're like a medium sized city now. Like we're good. We're like a city state, right? You know, in Greece, ancient Greece, they had city states like Athens, Thebes, Sparta. You know, you remember those guys, uh, Syracuse? Those were little city-states in Greece. Well, same thing kind of happened in Mexico. There were little city-states, and they varied in power. Some were super powerful. Some were super tiny, right? So the Aztecs, were they, they realized, like, all right, like, we're like a medium-sized city. We're like El Paso, 
right? We're like um, El Paso, Texas. We're like, or St. Louis. We're like a medium-sized, let's just use St. Louis. We're like St. Louis right now. Hmm. How do we take down Chicago? Okay, so St. Louis is about three hours from Chicago. Chicago's a huge city. So that's where they're looking at the, the panic. Like, like, okay, there's Chicago. What if we get St. Louis, Kansas City, Collinsville, Illinois, you know what I mean? What if we get all these smaller cities together and maybe, just maybe, we can go up against Chicago? And that's kind of what they did, right? So they had a triple alliance, the Aztec Triple Alliance, okay? Um, and that's how they were able to, to get enough manpower to defeat their rivals. So Encona's successor was Montezuma. And I'm pretty sure you guys know who Montezuma is. Uh, if you don't, Montezuma the first is probably the most famous Aztec king of all time. And you know, just just to uh, let you guys know, Aztec rulers were elected. Okay, they were elected by a council by obviously not the commoners because that that would be ridiculous. But <laughs> they were elected by the nobles, right? The shamans, the priests, the leaders of the Aztecs, the tribes got together and they elected their leader. And it's believed, uh, this is random, early on that because it, it was discovered in a lot of their ancient ancient histories and their ancient writings that I'll, they've noticed, scholars noticed that a lot of the leaders kind of retired after like 52 years. Like it was weird, like a lot of the old leaders, all of a sudden they would like step down after like 52 years in, in power or they would step aside or someone else would get elected. So scholars believe that they actually had like low key, they had like term limits. Like, we're not 100% sure because it's not super clear, but it seems that way from all the historical evidence and all, like, the mythology and the kind of the origin stories of these tribes. Like, they seem to have a, a really, really cool and complex system of how they get the, the tribes together, the elders, the rulers of each tribe. Like, they have governors. They have districts, they have all types of stuff, and then they all get together. And now, obviously, these are the ruling classes. These aren't the commoners, okay, because they had a really, really strict caste system, which we'll go into later. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, I actually just got over a cold a few days ago. That's why it took me... Uh, There's a little bit of a longer break between podcasts. So, what was I talking about? Yeah, so they elected Montezuma. Montezuma the first. He took power in 1440... And he rocketed the Aztec to dominance as a great military leader. And that's when they really started establishing the empire. By the early 16th century, the Aztec ruled up to 500 small states and some 5 to 6 million people, either by commerce or by conquest. At its height, Tenochtitlan, which was the capital of the Aztecs, they had over 140,000 inhabitants. <laughs> this is like, this is not... A, 21st century America. This is like the freaking 1600s, uh, or the uh, the fifth, uh, yeah, the, the 1500s in Mexico. All right, and they had 140,000 people living in one city in the middle of a lake. It was the most densely populated city ever to exist in Mesoamerica at the, you know, in the history of Mesoamerica. So Mesoamerica is like is the uh. The word for pretty much the ancient world in Mexico, the Southwest, and that area, okay? 
Man, that's crazy. The central market of Tato's Teach Land were visited by 50,000 people on major market days. 50,000. So their marketplace was a bustling like center of, of, of commerce, right? Trading, selling, um, exchanging goods and services, right? Also, they had conducted a lot of their rituals in the marketplace, which we'll go into later. Okay. So, the social structure, right? Social structure was highly organized. They had a very strict caste system. At the top, obviously, as with most societies in the world, were the nobles, while at the bottom were the serfs, indentured servants, and enslaved workers. So top, bottom, and then everyone else is kind of in between. The warriors were near the top. Now, we'll go into that in a minute. I'm not going to go on a rant. Most adult males had to provide some form of mandatory military service, right? So for the commoner, kind of like Israel, um, in Israel, everyone has to serve in the military for at least a certain amount of time. In Aztec society, when you turn 17, when you're a commoner, if you turn 17, that's when you started your military training. But you weren't full-time military. Only certain people, a.k.a. the Jaguar, and Eagle Warriors were full-time, and they were bad ASS, all right? So, starting them young, all right? Actually, we are at 34 minutes. We are going to take a quick break, and we will be back in a flash. Stay with me, y'all, all right? Stay with me. We've got the good stuff coming. Ape. reorganize here sorry about that break hope it wasn't too long maybe like a minute all right all right we're back we're back Woo. you know sometimes you gotta take a water break like i said i just got over a cold so uh trying to give you the best quality podcasting available you guys learning anything so far I know I am. You know, one of the funnest part about doing these podcasts is that you actually learn as I'm doing it. I learn as I'm doing it. 
you learn as you research and you learn as you're talking, literally as you're talking, as you're kind of digging into your memory banks to pull out this info for you guys, you end up learning. Like I told you guys before, I write an outline, I research, but most of it is just knowledge I have. I try to bring it to life. I'm not reciting facts. Most of it's memorized already beforehand, but my outlines keep me on track. So if I ramble, please uh, just excuse me, man. I just I have a passion for this history stuff. All right, what we got? All right, so we're on starting them young, right? Oh, crap. Man, these kids these days, guys, I'm telling y'all, maybe I'm sounding old or whatever, but these kids, they need some of this Aztec training, man. I'm telling you, like, they need as whoopings, Aztec training. That's what they need. Okay, so starting them young. Boys born in certain months, months, boys born in certain months were automatically assigned as future warriors of the Aztec military state. Didn't matter what social status you were, all right? Certain months, the uh, Aztecs, they had, they, they were super religious, very, very uh, superstitious, um, and they believed that if boys were born in certain months, they needed to be warriors. That's what they were going to be, and it didn't matter, didn't matter what the parents wanted. Kids were seen as, as, as gifts from the gods, right? So gods, you know, their will is what kind of the people followed. So if, if, if the shamans and the priests said, hey, kids born in May and in April were, are automatically warriors, that's what the parents did. They gave them up to the state, and they were trained from there, okay? Starting very young. Very young. You know what I mean? Like crazy young. Much like the ancient Spartans, the Aztecs viewed warfare as one of their pillars of a thriving society. It was central, okay? And, and I want to kind of go back into this because one of the reasons why warfare and, and, and fighting were central in Aztec society was that they had a warrior history. They had to fight to get where they were. They had to fight tooth and nail. And remember, in their own mythology of their tribe, of their origin story, their destiny, their gods destined them to conquer, to subjugate. And their gods were fed with human blood, right? The gods needed sacrifice. And in order to sacrifice and please the god, you had to subjugate others. And it wasn't, see, this is, this, you know, this is a crazy thing about people these days. People want to say, right, and I'm, I'm just talking on a rant right now. They want to say, oh, be understanding. <clears throat> Excuse me. Be understanding. Be open to various cultures. But then I have people on my IG saying, oh, they, 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 they fell. They were conquered because they were the evil. They were this. Their culture was corrupt. Their culture was wrong. You don't understand crap, first of all, and you're ignorant. Second of all, their culture is not our culture. We have this Western Christian-based, Abrahamic religion-based society. They had many gods. In their mythology, in their belief system, 
human sacrifice and giving to the gods was as natural as breathing, as natural as eating, as pooping, as talking. Okay, so they didn't look at it as, oh my God, we're, you know, we're killing all these, <laughs> all these prisoners and it's all, oh, it's awful, it's horrible, it's bloody. No, they were like, these are our enemies. They are going to be sacrificed to the gods. The gods need them to give us life. We give them human souls. We give them blood. They give us life for, to have more babies, to, to re, um, you know, reproduce, to, to feed us, to give us strength, give our warriors strength so we can conquer more people. So to them, you take life to give life. You take life to give life. All right, so everyone who's saying, oh, he's there, this, is there, that, oh, they're evil. Go suck a lemon. You don't know what you're talking about. Go have a Coke and a smile. Ever seen Bad Boys or Martin Lawrence? He's like, go ahead and have a Coke and a smile. That's what they need to do. That was a rant. Anyway, all right, so sorry about that. <laughs> Start them. Where could I? God dang, man, I lost my train of thought. Starting them young. All right, here we go, here we go, man. Here we go. I'm, I'm back, I'm back, I'm back. Sorry, guys. Uh, boys that were chosen as warriors started training at super early age, right? The normal Aztec males, they began their uh, compulsory, uh, comp I'm sorry, compulsory training at 17. But for those that were selected, born in those select months, their training started at five years old, okay? So one of the first tasks for a five-year-old boy, a small boy, was to carry heavy goods and crucial food supplies from the central marketplace to their to their their school their training school which we'll go into and this was heavy physical physical labor for a kid for kids that young you know how many five-year-olds you know are carrying heavy heavy items from the marketplace you know back and forth kids don't even they don't even do any half these kids don't do any physical exercise these days all they do is watch anime and play video games in their basement these kids or play Fortnite. these kids were literally at five years old waking up in the morning doing chores but like carrying things for miles from their school to the market and back all right the kids were only fed a half a maize cake at the age of three so that's a small rice cake uh actually no maize is corn a, a small uh corn cake like a little um hardened corn packed into like a cake you ever seen like rice cakes ever seen those like um in the in the uh the circular kind of look like uh what do you call them Coasters. Ever seen you guys want to know coasters are? Well, they're pretty much circles that you put your drinks on. So just imagine like a corn cake in a circle. That's what that's a, a maize cake. So the kids were only fed half a maize cake at the age of three, a full maize cake at the age of five, and one and a half maize cakes at the age of twelve. This food deprivation encouraged the young boys to learn how to fight with little or no food or nourishment. If promoted physical toughness and mental discipline. This limited nutrition, of course, was supplemented by ritual feasts on particular days of the month, and those more than made up for their lack of food, right? So, so let's say you give little Johnny, little Johnny was born in the month of May, the best month, by the way, Taurus gang, born in the month of May, right? So little Johnny, was born in Maine. And the shaman, the shaman and the priest say, you know what? All boys, boys born in May 
are destined to be great warriors. The gods say so. So you, as a as a um, dedicated Aztec man or woman, a good parent, you follow the gods, you obey the law, you love and respect the gods and your leaders, you give up little Johnny at five years old to go train to be a warrior. Little Johnny is only going to eat a half a maize cake, maybe a maize cake, yeah, a maize cake a day, Monday through Friday. On Sunday, every Sunday, they have a ritual feast where he'll eat a few, a few bowls of corn and rice and maybe have some juice, some fun stuff, dance, stuff like that. <clears throat> but from Monday through Saturday, he's only eating one maize cake. So imagine, like, for us as Westerners, we're like, oh, heck no, like, that ain't happening. <laughs> but remember, the priest and the shaman said that he's going to be a great warrior, and that is, like, the greatest honor because guess what? If you're a great warrior, your job is to expand the empire. Your job is to subjugate people. Your job is to capture prisoners to feed the gods. Therefore, you are saving us. Therefore, you are our savior, and you should be honored and respected. Thank you so much. I'm so happy to have little Johnny be born in the month of May. That's how Aztecs are thinking. <clears throat> okay? So don't think of it like we would. Think of it like they would. All right. By the age of seven, the Aztec boys had to learn how to maneuver his family boat and fish on Lake Texcoco. All right? That's the lake they're, their lake they're on. They had to learn how to fish. They learned how to use their boats. They had to learn, obviously, how to swim. And you know how swimming is. Swimming is really hard uh, anaerobic and aerobic exercise. So that's great to get in shape. <clears throat> Idleness was frowned upon. That's a no-no. There ain't no kids watching anime in their mama's basement eating Cheetos. That's not happening in Aztec society. Okay. <laughs> if you did that, you could be beaten, stung with agave thorns, or, listen to this, you have your face and eyes burned with smoke from roasted chili peppers. Can you imagine how painful that is? Like you're sitting there, <clears throat> you're sitting there like playing in the sand with like a stick, just chilling, like falling asleep. And some huge like Jaguar warrior comes up and goes, what are you doing? And you're like, oh, sorry. Oh, I'm just bored. I'm just taking a break from between our heavy physical labor. Nope, no breaks. Come over here. If you light a chili pepper on fire and then the smoke, he <laughs> sticks it up your nose and in your nostrils. And it just burns the heck out of your face. That's what you get for sitting around and playing in the sand. All right. There is no idleness. We have a job to do. Our job is to glorify the gods. Our job is to expand the Aztec empire. There's no time to freaking sit around and kick rocks and play in the sand. <clears throat> Remember that, young Johnny. Ah, oh, man. I'd be a good Aztec, I think. I don't know. Maybe. Maybe not. I'll probably be lazy. I'll probably be like working on like the pyramids or something, dragging like fruit back and forth. Anyway, all right. The Kalmecock, the Kalmecock, the Kalmecock. What does that mean? I'm about to go into that. It's a school, right? It's in uh, Nawak. It means a line or a grouping of houses slash buildings. So pretty much a school campus, all right? So the Kalmecock is the school for the sons of Aztec nobility. And this is where they received very rigorous religious and military training. So 
remember, it's important. Let, let me go back real quick. Okay, so let me describe something real quick. All right, so Aztec Society, I explained before, was set up in a caste system. And I want, I want to make this clear. Aztec men were, all Aztec men were trained in warfare, but the commoner only started at 17. The commoner could never achieve the ranks of the nobility unless they became highly skilled jaguar warriors or eagle warriors, okay? And those were very few. Only the best of the best could be that. So, really, the commoner was kind of stuck unless they became a really, really super soldier, super jaguar warrior, super eagle knight. If they weren't that, they were just kind of, you know, part, kind of like part-time, you know what I mean? They, they, would, they would be caught upon in times of war, and then they would go back to the regular laborer, craftsman, whatever, right? But the nobility, they, that was the core. That, those were the special forces. Those were the guys who their sons were trained to be Eagle and Jaguar Wars specifically. <clears throat> the nobility were the ones who carried kind of like the everyday responsibility of being soldiers, <clears throat> which is kind of different than how things are now. In our, in our current society, but it was like almost like the reverse. Like nowadays, the rich kids don't volunteer for the military. Back then, the nobility, the sons of the nobility were the military. They were like the cream of the crop. So in this school, uh, well, occasionally commoners would be admitted to the school and they would be trained for the priesthood. <clears throat> Excuse me. Gosh. But most were... Um, or the, or the sons of nobility, all right? In the Aztec capital, uh, the school was in the ceremonial center of the city, okay? So the school was the student's home for the entire duration of training. They would enter as, as young as five to seven. They received instruction in songs, rituals, reading and writing, and the calendar. They, com they commenced formal military training at 15, and any youth that would show promise was handpicked and trained specifically by the by the Jaguar and Eagle Warriors, the veteran warriors. So if you were <clears throat> hot-ish, if you were really setting yourself apart from your peers in the Kalmykak, right? If you were if you were um, putting yourself out there and achieving at high levels, then Jaguar and Eagle Warriors would take you aside personally and train you. Okay. All right, let's go over this last one, and this is the last one for this episode, all right? The Tepocal, all right? That's an education center for the commoner, for the common Aztec youth, and that started at 15. Only boys, not girls. These schools were intended to prepare the males to be fully functioning, productive members of society and warriors if necessary. Only if necessary. Remember, the nobility, they carried the burden when it comes to war. But hey, if the Aztecs were in a really, really brutal war and they needed to call up the citizen soldiers, they would do so if they had to. But only if necessary. But it's always good to have a trained population. All right. These schools were in every single district center. Every single district center in the Aztec Empire had one of these schools. 
Many of the schools were run by veteran Eagle and uh, Jaguar Warriors, okay? One of the first things that these uh, teenagers learned and they focused on was teamwork. They had to focus on teamwork. So what they would do, they would, um, they would spend a lot of time repairing and cleaning the public works, like the canals and the aqueducts, as teams, right? So you would work together to repair and clean these canals, these aqueducts, the, the, these uh, temples, things that were owned by the common people, right? Things that were owned by everybody, right? And, you know, kids need this today, honestly. They need to learn how to work together and actually do physical labor and actually do something to help their community out. That's basically what they were doing. Um, they learned social interdependence, meaning how to work together, how to rely on each other, right? Social interdependence was ingrained in Aztec boys at an early age, right? This made sense because the Aztecs put great value in their warrior fraternal orders. They put great value in the Eagle Warriors and the Jaguar Warriors. Those guys were the cream of the freaking crop, man. All the young boys looked up to them. So they had to learn how to rely on each other, just like the, the Jaguars and the Eagles did in battle. They had to rely on each other, right? Same thing that these boys had to learn in school. They had to learn to rely on each other. Um, so uh, menial tasks were accompanied by group drills, and these group drills tested the physical toughness of the boys, right? You weren't going to slide through. There was no... Skating. There was no skating in Aztec military training. Okay. They didn't care you're only 15 years old. Now remember, these kids are 15. The nobles go a lot earlier. The nobles go to school at 5 to 7. So the commoner kids didn't start until 15. There's two schools. The first school that I was talking about was for, for they were for nobles and they were trained in religious studies and military training. The school for the commoners. They start at 15, and it's kind of like basic training, right? You do a lot of teamwork. You do a lot of interdependence. You learn how to work as a unit. There is no individuals. Everyone has to have the same stuff, same uniform, same time, same place, same uniform. Everyone's doing the same drills, same freaking thing in the Aztec military as the modern-day army, right? Same stuff, except for it starts at a little bit of an early age, earlier age. So these menial tasks like cleaning the aqueducts, carrying goods back and forth, cleaning the bathroom, stuff like that, they're accompanied by drills that tested the physical toughness and mental toughness of the boys, right? And they were encouraged by their drill sergeants, basically, <laughs> their trainers, through intimidation, sounds familiar, and downright physical abuse, sounds familiar to anyone in the military, sounds pretty familiar, right? Basic freaking training. That's basically what these kids did. Every, just imagine... Every American kid, every Western kid starts military training at 15. How crazy would our society be? How much more disciplined? How much more organized? How much more honorable? How, how much more together would our country be if all boys, well, I'm talking about boys in this case, so don't kill me, feminists. All kids, let's say all kids started military training at 15 years old. Korea does something similar. Every, every kid has, every boy, I think it's boys in Korea, have to do two years of military training. All right. We're at almost an hour. Hmm. Okay, let, I can go into this. I can do this, man. Yeah, yeah, I'll do this. Let's do the ritual training, all right? Let's go over. So we talked, 
We talked about a bunch of cool stuff today. I'm sorry about me keeping coughing and hacking and clearing my throat, but I'm trying to get this information out, you guys, because it's so cool. I didn't want to wait another day. Plus, I'm going out of town this weekend, so. All right, ritual training. So these guys, so the youths, right? So we're talking the, the nobility and the commoners. They were only exposed to real combat scenarios during the major religious festivals. And most of these festivals, they were held at the central district of the city, in the central district. So in pretty much like Manhattan in New York. Like, just think of it like that. Like, that. like Tedo's Teach Line is new, the New York of Mexico back then. And these, all these rituals were held in Manhattan. So just all the Aztecs were spread across, across the lake, across Tedo's Teach Line, 140,000 of them. Plus, you got the outlying boroughs, like the, the districts, the small towns around um, Tedo's Teach Line. And they would all send their boys to these schools. And when it was time to get some real combat, you know, to see some real fighting, they would all get together and join up during these uh, rituals, these festivals that they held every few months. All right. One festival. <laughs> well, this is one festival was held between February and April, and it was dedicated to the Aztec storm god, Ixpe Toltec, or quote, our Lord, the flayed one. Jipe Toltec. Our Lord, the Flayed One. The reason why they call him the Flayed One because they would. This is. This might sound brutal to us as Westerners, but stick with me. They would flay humans, human sacrifice, right? They would flay them, meaning they would peel their skin. They would skin them and wear their skin. The shamans would sacrifice humans to the god, uh, to their god, the storm god, right? Also, the god of, ha of harvest of seasons right so in order to feed this god you had to flay his food first to peel the skin off the shamans would wear the dried skin of their human uh sacrifices to please toltec jipe toltec okay the flayed one during this festival there are various forms of Aztec ritualistic combat that range from bloody gladiatorial contests to a form of prisoner of war executions, okay? So, they would have, you know, kind of like the Romans, normal gladiator, gladi uh, gladiator matches, but they would also kind of have look like low-key prisoner of war executions. So, you know how... I don't know if you guys know, but back in the Roman Roman days, they used to execute prisoners. They used to throw the prisoners in, in the in the arena to fight gladiators and stuff like that. That's kind of like a form of execution. The Aztecs used to do the same thing. They used to, if they happened to catch, say they were going to war with a really big, uh, really hated enemy, and they captured a high-ranking warrior, a well-known warrior, or a high-ranking leader, they wouldn't just sacrifice them. That wasn't enough. No, no, no. He's high ranking. He's a noble. He's a he's a great warrior of their tribe. He's gonna fight our warriors. But he's gonna fight our warriors with his leg chained to a giant boulder and with a club with feathers on it. Meanwhile, four or five of our Jaguar warriors are going to fight him in succession. 
And I don't care how good of a warrior you are. Eventually, you will you will get tired. You will get wounded. And once you're wounded or incapacitated, they're not going to just finish you off, right? They're going to wound you, or they might kill you. It depends on how the fighting goes. So if you survive, say you defeat all four of the warriors, right? The Jaguar War, by some miracle. But you're wounded, you're going to get sacrificed. If you're not wounded, you're going to get sacrificed. <laughs> so pretty much you're going to die regardless. Um, you might just want to die going out fighting. Um, but that's if they allowed you to. It just depended on how they felt that day. But you're going to get sacrificed. Trainees were trained in the art of handling weapons, starting with slings, then moving to bows, spears, and clubs. And if you did good in that training, guess what? You would be pulled aside and taken to advanced training programs that focus on handling the heavy melee weapons. And these heavy weapons were reserved only for the most elite forces. And we all know what that weapon is. And I'm not going to say it until next time. All right, guys. We're looking at an hour and then two minutes. That's enough for today. My voice will get annoying after about 30 minutes. So I'm sorry you had about 30 minutes of annoyingness. God bless you guys. Thank you for listening. I hope I didn't stumble and fumble and cough too much. It ain't easy being this good, baby. Thank you for joining us. We will have another episode coming on Monday, part two. Stay tuned, baby. Hope you guys learned something. I hope you guys had much fun as I did. God bless you. Ape. Remember, stay safe, stay vigilant, keep training, get after it, be positive, put God first and your family first. That's all I got. God bless you. See you next time.